Welcome back to the season finale of Showing Our Sass, the podcast. I'm your host, Marta Gwynn, and I'm joined today by Patrick LaDonis. Patrick and I are basically creative cousins, and I'm so excited to share this story with you because we are multi-hyphenates, getting our multi-hyphenate on. Uh, We have so much fun every time we have the opportunity to talk because we help each other honor our call to creativity. We help one another to be encouraged, even in those times when we don't have the kind of views that we want. We both believe in making opportunities happen, and Patrick is racking up the wind, y'all. I mean, he's just getting award after award after award, and I want him to have a chance to talk about his process, his journey. So buckle up. This is going to be fun. Let's hang out with my one of my day ones and enjoy this season finale of Showing Our Sass, the podcast. All right, hold on. Can you introduce yourself to the folks who are going to be listening and watching to this program? I sure can. I am Patrick LaDunis, and I am a filmmaker, writer, producer, and currently talking about Scales, the web series. And he's my friend. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. (laughs) And we're going to have some fun with this conversation today. Um, So this is season two of Showing Our Sass. And uh, season one was fantastic. I enjoyed it and decided I wanted to do something totally different for season two. Part of this was inspired by actually coming on and talking on your two Instagram lives. And I was like, yeah, let me see, can I uh, flip the flavor of this a little bit? So I want to start off by giving my listeners a chance to hear a little bit about your story. You can talk about the, the process of scales, but you also stepping into your full IMPLS productions uh, existence career. Wow. Okay. Now, see, now this is some heavy questions. Uh, so I'll, I'll say, you know, scales. You know, the birth of scales really um, was the catalyst for me creating the IMPLS production brand, and it really was the fact that it was a passion project. I knew that I wanted to return to what I consider my Spike Lee roots and get back into creating content. It was a time that creating content was booming in 2017. And to be quite honest, which I, I know that I've shared this with you, you know, being in Barcelona, being right there with that the terrorist attack that happened in front of my best friend and I really was a wake up call that life is short and you've got to just live in the moment and living in the moment for me was i've been running from creating stories and wanting to write and produce and tell stories you know from back in my college days that wasn't my thing and so you know taking a chance creating skills seeing giving life to skills and seeing how people responded to it let me know that i was on the right track and so because of that i said you know what i need to get my Issa Rae on and create impls productions and i'm gonna house all of my content and my stories which brings us of course now three seasons 18 episodes later and i'm creating some other fun stuff all under impls productions and i'm and so happy thousands so of, of views thousands of views now <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> Uh, I mean, hasn't Issa just blessed so many of us by being transparent about her process? I remember when Awkward Black Girl first hit the internet and I was like, I I, I didn't know you could do that with YouTube. I didn't know you could just record something and put it out there like that without permission. (laughs) 
Exactly. I was just, and I, I came to the ESA uh, journey a little bit late. It was in 2017 when I started doing my research and I saw it and I was like, you can actually tell stories on YouTube. Like this is a show. And I was like, oh, well, clearly this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So yeah, Issa is, I, I love Issa. She's amazing. Well, I'll tell you what messed me up. I uh, I went back and I recently, uh, I think I shared the link with you, but I looked at her new uh, rebrand of Hooray. And I said, oh my gosh, I, I that's why I told you, I was like, I'm not moving to Los Angeles, but have you seen this thing that Issa's been doing? I can't move to Los Angeles right now, but this is amazing. Cause it was like someone broke my brain open and I had a chance to see, she was putting this piece together from her digital. Uh, she was looking at her film stuff. She was looking at her wanting to create an incubator for creatives. And I was like, wait a minute, I have the right addiction um, incubator for creatives. I have my channel that I'm doing. I, I have a production company now. I was like, oh, I need to pay attention to her yeah. model. It's beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. Anyway, this is about you, not me. Um, <laughs> no, that's, no. But but we, we we get charged up because I think you know you you were uh, raised in Mississippi. I was mm -hmm. raised in a couple of different places: Georgia, Iowa, Arkansas. Um, but I think we can collectively say the places where we were raised film and acting is not something that they uh, look to you to say you're going to do necessarily um, to make a living. I was talking to a friend recently and I and I asked him, how do you how do you encourage people to pursue passion rather than the paycheck when you come from places where I'm sure you heard it. We need more doctors. We need more lawyers. We need more teachers. We, you know, well, we have plenty of ministers, but I mean, these are the things that, that people say, hey, we got to do this for the race. These are the places we need you to go. We do not hear, well, I did not hear coming up. We need more actors and actresses. Did you? Yeah. Well, you know, funny thing, Marta, and I mean, I, of course, I, I grew up in Mississippi, but, you know, I'm originally from Chicago. Mm -hmm. And so during the summers, I would go back to Chicago and my aunt, I was 10 years old, I would get through the Chicago Yellow Pages and I would call modeling and talent agencies. And really? I was I was booking to try to go to these things and she would actually take me to auditions. So I've been, I was destined, or at least at that age, 10 and 11, I was like, oh, I want to be an actor. I want to be famous. Because my aunt was obsessed with soap operas mm -hmm. and all my children, young and the rest of was like, oh, I want to be on one of those. Oh, so that You're was my an fascination. That's what it is. You're an yeah. up-souther. <laughs> so that was championing me to want to do that. And I remember my mom and aunt, they both, they they didn't discourage it. They were just like, you know, during the summers, they were like, oh, well, if you see an audition, my aunt was like, I'll take you. So we'd be downtown Chicago, standing in the lines with all the other kids waiting. And I would do a little audition here do an audition here, didn't book anything, but for me, it was a cool thing. And it just kind of, it's funny how, how you say about passion, it was, it's always innately felt like that's where I was the, the happiest. And again, you know, we all know a few years later, 14, no, 15 years old, Time to Kill happens in Mississippi. And then like, who knew that that could be a possibility of what could happen, so. Let me tell you, the so, I saw a, a Time to Kill. Of course, we all did because that iconic line from Samuel Jackson, it still rings in the brain, right? Um, <laughs> in, in his role as Carly. 
But what was funny was that one of the parts that always hit me was the courtroom case where I saw these two kids in the galley. And I didn't know you from Joe Blow at that time. <laughs> I remember that. So imagine my shock when I get to college and I look up and I go, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and I don't know that. Uh, but because I was taking all the pictures at school, I was like, oh. so I had to go back and watch the movie. I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> I too had encouragement um, when I was coming up to um, to pursue goals, but it was big. Get your education, Marta. You got to get your education, whatever you do, get your education. And uh, and I know that's pretty intense in, in most African-American families. So mm-hmm. um, let's see. What's one thing you wish you had known when you started your career? Oh, this the, the this creative part of my career? Sure. Well, just career. Okay. Um, I wish I would have known that. I wish I would have known that it's important to have patience because I, it's one of those things where, and I, I accuse the, I don't know if they're Gen Z's or whatever, the younger generation of wanting instant gratification. So millennials. at that mm-hmm. millennial, so at that time, I wanted everything to happen right away. When I was younger, I was like, if I'm if I'm gonna become this actor, I wanted it to happen right away. If I was gonna be in this film space, I wanted it to happen right away. Not realizing, just be patient and enjoy the journey and see where life takes you. And I'll always say it's been a full circle moment because mm-hmm. from the moment that time to kill or whatever, there've been opportunities as an adult that I've experienced that have not saying that they've been they've been, not saying they've been greater than what the time to kill experience was but i've been fed more with the journey as an adult mm-hmm. that i don't think i would have appreciated and known when i was younger so i just wish i would have had the patience versus thinking because it wasn't happening as fast as i needed to happen back then that it wasn't possible but it is indeed possible you just got to be patient trust the process and st- stay on course Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing I wish I would, you know, done. Oh, that's Patience. real. And I, I think we can all relate to that. It it seems like, um, at least I know in my case, it felt like things were happening slower than they actually were even uh, when we were going uh, through those different kinds of experiences. And so, yeah, it, it it's almost like a time warp when you think yeah. about it. I mean, think about the four years of college. They seem so intense, but they're really this this short in the span so of your sure. life, <laughs> you yeah. know? But when you're in it, it's like, this is everything. I have to find the person I'm gonna love forever. I have to have the best grades and get the best job going out or grad school. Oh my gosh, it's so intense. <laughs> it's so intense. Oh my God, the pressure we put on ourselves, mm-hmm. the pressure we put on ourselves. Then we look back and we just laugh. We're like, oh my gosh, if we only do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, stepping into some fun territory, uh, what would you consider to be your biggest failure or opportunity to learn from in your life? Oof. Um, I will say that the biggest failure would be at times I I would lead and and I'm 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 gonna go somewhere with this, so bear with me. I would say my biggest failure was at times I used to lead with my insecurities. And I say that 
because it was a point really from part of an undergrad and even up until into my 30s where it was that Paul Lawrence Dunbar, we wear a mask. I would wear a mask of my insecurities of who I really was. So I was like, let me try to put all this other stuff and present to you and not show my true authentic self of who I was and what I was like for years. I never talked about, you know, my sexuality or any of that. I was like, if people know, they know, but if not, it's like there was a wall there. And I think having a wall up, it prevented me from really being uh, vulnerable in my creative self and in my art and how I showed up to people. And once I, you know, unleashed who I, you know, and accepted the fullness of myself and why I love myself and letting the world see it, you know, truth be told, Marta, when I did Scales, uh, the season one, there were people that I was sort of cool with still didn't know about my sexuality until they saw, they was like, oh, it was almost like a coming out. Uh-huh. So, but it's like after that happened and people responded the way they did to season one, I it was like I had a rebirth of who I was. And I was like, I'm never going to deny myself and present the insecure me to anyone. And so after that, when I present myself or talk about my art, I, you're getting the real me. It's no, let me be guarded or let me do it. You either accept me and love me for who I am and what I'm creating and the story that I'm telling, or you're not. And if not, I'm okay with it. And mm-hmm. this is what you get. And so I love who, I love the skin that I'm in right now. That's amazing. I'm, I, I envy you that in some, uh, because with me, I didn't realize how much I had compartmentalized of myself um, for a very, very long time until probably the last two, three years. And it, it was a real um, suppression of my creative self. Um, I've been working through a process to try to unpack that, but it's just, I, I, I had this really intense life where I was just like, I got to get the next thing. I got to get the next thing. I have this much time to get this done because I got to climb to this ladder and do this thing. And I got to duck around this barricade. Um, I don't have time for feelings. I don't have time to worry about the things that are not going to be successful right off the cuff. And it's just like the analogy I came up with was put it into a box wrap it in a chain, throw it to the bottom of the ocean because it's not going to be productive for me. So I'm going to go with the things that are going to be productive. And that is really dangerous when some of that, well, any part of yourself, you're not being authentic in your presentation because you look around, you're like, I don't feel whole. I don't feel, um, I, I don't feel right. And so now I've been fishing. I've been fishing in the bottom of the ocean, trying to pull those boxes back up and get them open. Well, you're catching a plenty because I am loving it. I am loving it. I mean, you are, I mean, again, I think I've told you this, you inspire me because you have such an amazing drive and your artistry, the way that you, I mean, you're a true multi-hyphenate. I mean, you're the definition of a multi-hyphen and you sing, you write, you produce, you do, you are like a superhero in real life. And oh. I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing, Marta, seriously. You know what, so. though? I was terrified to do this, though. Um, I was terrified of being rejected for not being one thing. Mm. 
And and it's it's a process. I mean, it's a real process uh, to to say, hey, oh well, this is what I am. And if you like it, fine. If you don't, fine. I I, I gotta learn to love it because it's who I am. Um, right. It, it's kind of it, it, it's kind of wonky. Um, so I I say that in saying I can empathize uh, with how it feels now to feel like you're more fully living the life out loud who you are, uh, and embracing all that you are. So thank you for sharing that. Um, what's your advice to someone uh, who wants to pursue a career like yours, especially the creative side of what you do? Uh, I would literally what what you just gave as an example about just living out loud, being authentically yourself, telling your story, knowing that no one can tell Martyr's story like Martyr because it's the story that you've lived or it's your experiences, it's your creative art. No one can tell Patrick's stories because they're my stories, it's my life. So for anyone that wants to get in that creative space, I say, go in it trying to be you. Don't say, oh, I wanna be like this person. It's okay to wanna stand beside them and you know even have them as a role model to inspire you, but go out trying to do something that's authentically yours so that you're creating to be the next like I'm trying to be the next Patrick Ladonis. Mm -hmm. You're you're trying to be the next Marta because I, I you know I've dropped your name like Beyonce. You're just Marta. Like that's <laughs> that's that's who you are. So that's how I that's how I envision it. So that's what I would tell creatives: just go out and do it, and just make sure you're being authentically yourself, and just go for it. All right, I'm gonna diverge from the 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 printed questions because you just made me curious about something. Say. Yeah. You get a call and someone's like, yo, I got Ava DuVernay and Issa Rae over here hanging out at the gathering spot. And they said, I can invite a couple people over here. What's your first reaction? And they say, come on down. My first reaction mm -hmm. would probably be, um, I, I almost feel like I may I don't think I'd fall out or faint or anything, but I would I'd probably leave my wallet and everything in the house because I will be rushing to get in my car to fly down the um, interstate to get to the gathering spot to be in Issa's face. Like, I would be like, yeah, let's talk. What's going on? What 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 is it that I need to develop and create so that we can make this thing happen? So five years ago, you think you would have done that? Absolutely not. Nah. I wouldn't have done it five years ago because I, I still wasn't, I, just like you say, it, it's funny how earlier in our earlier conversation, we talked about people say you should be the lawyer, doctor, all this stuff. So for me, I sort of created that, that, that perception, even though no one had ever told me, oh, well, you should strive to be this. It, it was always my, my mom and every, my family always said, be whatever you want to be, just as long as you're happy. But again, I didn't feel like that was the truth for whatever weird reason. Mm -hmm. So I always thought, well, five years ago, I was, well, I've been, I say, successful in my career outside of the creative piece for probably like the past 12 years, five years, five years ago, I was just gotten a promotion at work. I was, it was about, oh, well, this is the corporate. Let me stay in this space. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. No one had told me that's what I was supposed to be doing. But to me, I was like, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So five years ago, I'd have probably been like, oh, no, I, I can't. I can't do that. I can't do it. But now, I mean, shoot, three, well, three years ago, after the skills came out, I would have been like, let's, 
Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> what about you? What if and, that were to happen to you? And I did that on purpose because I wanted you to turn it back around on me. A year ago? No, that's not true. Because I, I believe in faking it till you make it sometimes when you see an opportunity in front of you. But a year ago, I wouldn't have been nearly as prepared. Um, I wouldn't be nearly as clear in the vision of what I want to do. But if I got that call right now, yes. And that's that was the most exciting thing for me to realize was that I'm ready to be in the room with these people. And in fact, it would be wrong for me to think I shouldn't be in the room with these people <laughs> right now because I have got a perspective. I have got stories that have, have been overdue to tell. And I love this shit. <laughs> this, is like, <laughs> this is like, I, I love it. I'm like, I have other people saying, oh, Marta, we'd love to bring you on to this organization that. And I'm like, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but nah, I did that for 15, 16 years, y'all. I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to live my best life. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yes. Love it. It's love weird it. how those things can shift. I, it's something about 40. Something about when you hit around the 40s. It's just like, you're like, mm-mm. <laughs> No, I only want to it's do what I want. It's a different perspective. It's a totally different perspective. Uh, let me uh, jump a little bit and ask you uh, another question. What's something okay. you're reading right now or listening to that's inspiring you? <sighs> oh, let's see. Gosh, I'm listen. The, the thing is, I am actually I'm reading. It's going to sound such a nerd, nerd thing. I'm reading John C. Maxwell's um, How Successful People Grow, 15 Ways to Get Ahead in Life. Um, I haven't finished it. And I, it's, I got it just because, like you said, I'm, I, I'm prepared. Like if Issa or anyone were to say, hey, let's do this. But I'm trying to really, I don't want to use the word, I guess, because I, I, no, nothing is perfect, but I'm trying to perfect the pitch. I'm trying to perfect the package of what is under the umbrella of IMPLS and how that shows up to the world. How can how can I turn it into a bigger monetization? Because again, there are gems in scales that are you know that scales itself could be a workshop to high school and college students about diversity and inclusion because mm -hmm. there's a lot of that that could be you know, unpacked and talk there. So I'm, I'm reading that I'm only 23 pages in. So that's, but that is what I am reading. And my goal is to finish it by the end of this month. Nice. I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm going to, um, what are you reading? I know you're probably reading like a hundred books. Cause I feel like you are a big reader. Okay. In, in, in fairness, I will give you one. Um, so Tiffany, the budgetista just came out with a new book. And I was watching the Love Hour podcast, um, Mrs. Kev on stage, and Tiffany was on there doing the interview. And she was, it was like she was smacking me. I mean, with love, but it's like she was smacking me. I was like, oh my God, I need this book. So I was like, I, of course, I do like most people. I go into Amazon, I was like, stop, wait a minute. <laughs> Let me find a black owned bookstore I can buy this from. <laughs> I found Mahogany Books in DC and I said, okay, we're going to order it from y'all so y'all can get a little cut of this and then it's going to take a couple extra days. But that, I'm not reading it yet, but I'm ready for it to get you got it. Okay. Read that. Okay. Getting your budget together because personal budget management and business budget management, when you're running, I am, oh gosh. 
I'm running three businesses right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to be a great read for me. Yeah, well, let me know how that goes. Like, if it's like if that's something I need to invest in myself because I've oh, I, I should. And she has a Facebook group that people can get into. Um, it's all about how you can. She got look at the Love Hour podcast from this week that went on uh, Mrs. Kev on stage YouTube. Okay. Um, she'll give you the teaser, all that you need in there, and you'll be like, oh yeah, you're gonna buy the book before the episode's over. Got it. Okay, let me check that out for sure. Let me check that out tonight. Yeah, it, it, it was it was everything. Let's see. Um, who are give me one or two people who have been highly influential to you in your life? You mentioned your aunt helped you with Chicago and going out and trying out things, but I'm just curious. Tell me about the people who inspired you or influenced you the most. Um, oh wow, see that question's like an Oprah question because I'm gonna try not to get emotional with that. I don't um, have no, I, I would say the most inspiration, and I, I've shared, I think I shared this at the premiere season one. And you were at the season one premiere. Mm -hmm. I drove uh, in for I, that from Texas. You you did. So that's what I was like. So I would say it was my grandmother because had it not, not saying had it not been, but you know, she was diagnosed with cancer. And when I was a little kid, you know, she was really sick. And so she couldn't really, the chemo, she couldn't really watch TV because she just would be, be really sick. And so me being a precocious six-year-old, seven-year-old, I would write stories and I would act them out for her. And I think that was me opening that box of creativity. And so I started writing short stories and I would read I would write a short story. Every time I went to go visit my grandmother, I would have a new story to to read to her and act out for her up until um, up until the um, literally up until like a week until she died. Like I was always telling stories and all that. Like one day I'm going to write my autobiography because visually I remember like as a writer, I remember the, the day I got off the yellow school bus. My mom is coming out off the porch and it's like as a 10 year old, I knew that my grandmother had died. Like, and that's just, and I remember writing that, I remember writing that out. And I was like, one day that would be, a, not to sit, that's morbid, a great scene, but that was just a moment in my childhood. I was like, I remember that. And so I would well, definitely give it. her, I would give her all of that influences because that was something, that's what made it, that was a connection for me into the creative spaces, seeing how she would react to me telling these stories and acting them out for her. So that was she, a huge influence. She was a catalyst. She was a catalyst yeah. for you. Oh man, that's amazing. The relationship with grandparents is is something that's really special. I don't know that people really ref reflect on it as much uh, now as they once did, but you made me think about something I'm going to share with you. Um, yeah. So my, my father's people are from East Chicago on the other side of the line. And um, my, yeah, no, you don't, you don't say he's from Chicago. He's from East Chicago, exactly, right. Lake County. Lake County. Um, and uh, my grandmother, the last of my grandparents to pass um, was uh, residing in East Chicago where she was born and where she died. And um, when cancer got her too, she beat it one time and then it came back. And I think I was in, yeah, I was in Texas. I was in Texas still. Mm -hmm. Uh, in West Texas, when uh, I said, you know, babe, I told Terrence, I said, I need to go to Chicago. I, I know I need to, I need to fly and I need to go over and see grandmama for Thanksgiving. So I did. Um, she was doing, <coughs> but, it was, mm, uh, but I was really glad I spent that time because uh, a couple of months later, I got a call from my dad. He said, I think she's transitioning. I said, enough said. 
I got my husband, we got in the car, we started driving. And we uh, we met my parents there. And uh, it, in the end, I'm glad it didn't drag on uh, with her. But I tell this because she got to the point where the pain got so much, they were like, we got to take her in, we got to take her into hospice. But we got to spend some some quality time with her before that. And she was like, go, go home, go home, it's gonna be okay. And we, I will never forget this. We were driving back and we were, um, we were in Illinois. We were in Illinois, no, 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 no. We had made it down, uh, we were almost at, at St. Louis coming back and there was a horrible storm we were out racing. And when we were hitting the uh, turn in St. Louis, I felt her go, I felt her go. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I was driving, I was like, I can't stop. <laughs> I can't stop driving. And it, it was a bad storm. It was a really bad storm. Um, and sure enough, when we got to a place where we stopped, my dad told me, yeah, she's gone. And I said, when? And he told me, I was like, we were, I felt her go. <laughs> I felt her go. Wow. Um, and it, it was just, I had such a peace about it though. Cause I said, if I had not gone, when that, that, that spirit said to go, I'd have regretted that. I would have regretted right. that. So, um yeah family passion all those things i feel them deeply <laughs> yeah i felt that story i mean we'll, we'll have to because because i know that you're going to be publicizing this so we'll have to talk offline because okay. you you you've just inspired me about a project we need to talk about yeah i think we might need to we need to toy around with so I'll, we're gonna work on all the things together i already know this um <laughs> let's see okay let me uh hold on i, I had my fan nearby because i thought i might get a little emotional yeah Woo! All right, I'm not afraid of emotion. We will experience, mm -hmm. we will feel all the feelings. <clears throat> yes. <clears throat> all right, <laughs> so um, what is one common myth about, let's say the profession of um, acting, creating, that you, what's a myth you'd like to debunk about being a creative? Um, I think a myth is that it's easy. And it's not. I mean, people, I think sometimes people think, oh, well, anybody can can write something or tell a poem or put some pages and, or even put together a production or something. You know, those people that are more strongly left brain over us right brain creatives. And it's hard. I mean, it's it's, it's I feel like one, it's a it's a gift because we're able to kind of in our mind visually see what we want to tell. But then there's a there's an art that comes with putting it to pen to paper and to really transforming it into a story as well as into a script that becomes, you know, a, a film or TV series or a, what have you. So it's not easy. And we spend, you and I, I mean, you spend a lot of time sometimes in self-doubt about your work. You're like, oh, oh God, yeah. is this right? Maybe this isn't right. So it's, it's the, this love and hate that there's a lot of angst that goes into being a creative that I don't think people get. Like, it's not an escape for us. It's so much more than that when we are in that headspace. We have to disappear sometime for days or hours to really get ourselves in that space to where we produce something or write something. And even after we've done all of that, we may walk out of that cabin or that hotel room or whatever, still questioning, is this shit good? And it's it's crazy. So like, it's a lot, it, there's a lot that we go through as creatives to Marta, and you know this, it's a lot we go through to try to, to make things right creatively. 
I, I, I can't agree more. I, I think also um, I'm learning increasingly, I have to build in recovery time for myself. There's something about when you are digging deep into yourself and trying to pull something out to share with people that can leave you in a very vulnerable and very um, raw state when you're done. And I think this is one of the things that made it so problematic and why I had to eventually leave the traditional workforce to pursue this um, and, and have a different kind of uh, stream of income that was more flexible because well, you don't have to imagine this. I know you have felt this. You have a job that you know you got to show up for and do a certain kind of thing. And you're trying to squeeze in the time on the side to do the thing that your heart sings and the, the, the creative passion project. Well, I would work a whole weekend on the creative passion project and then come Monday, not be fortified and ready to go back into doing the other work that I was supposed to do. And I look at the art I created then and I'm like, this is one of the reasons why I couldn't finish things because I was, it's hard to serve two masters. Oh, the Oof. old folks used to say that, <laughs> and you'd be like, "Oh, what does that mean? That's weird. That's old folky stuff." No, it is challenging to serve two masters. Mm -hmm. Wow, now, I think I felt I double felt that one. <laughs> I yeah, I felt that one. Lord, let me take a sip of this wine. I felt that one. Ooh, refresh. Mm -hmm. wow. Not to not to say that you can't, but it is it is very difficult. And 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 to be healthy and to be healthy um, in all aspects of yourself. So I'm real big about balance these days, and um and trying to help encourage others uh, to to find that place of balance for them. It's not the same for everybody by any stretch. You have um, to be on a scale. You got to find that. You got to find the scale. scale. Got to balance the scale. <laughs> you, know, so. you know what? I don't have a single tattoo on my body, but I might end up having something for scales on my body at some point. You keep going Hell, like that. <laughs> I already know I'm getting a Sankofa tattoo. I never thought I would, but I need it. I need it as a reminder. Oh my God, I can't wait. You can't, yeah, I can't yeah. wait till you get it. We'll see where it goes. <laughs> oh, boy, right here, right here. Hey, hey, we don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, if you could step into my shoes and ask me a question, I mean, ask yourself a question that you think I should have asked, what would you ask? What do you want to, what do you want to talk about that I didn't ask you about? Oh, Lord, Mark, you, send me your interview question playlist. Cause I need to use these questions on some people. Um, Jesus. I, I feel like you asked, uh, you asked everything. I, I guess I would say, like, what do you think? What contributes to the success of it all? Should that we both answer that? I think we should. And I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, I would, what contributes to the success of it all? Like you created, you've got your, um, you don't, and again, you're doing this challenge, the, 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 um, the beta challenge. The beta challenge. Mm -hmm. You're blogging every day in April. Like, who could do? That? Like, I mentally couldn't. Do, I I couldn't do it. Like, I just couldn't do it. That's to me. That's a skill set. So, how do you like? What do you contribute to that? Like, it's just like you're oozing with that talent and that art. Like, how? how what can? What's your secret? Like, how do you do it? Uh, I'm gonna tell you something. First of it is gonna be kind of gross. I feel like I was backed up 
And so there's a whole lot of things that are just kind of <laughs> coming out like a volcano um, in some ways. But uh, specifically VEDA, I was a little terrified to do it. I'd heard about it years ago. There are people who do it kind of like uh, there's NaNoWriMo for writers. Um, VEDA is out there for people who vlog and, and blog and, and who are trying to raise their uh, awareness and, and viewership. But I too was intimidated by the idea, like, can I really come up with a video idea every single day? Um, but when I finally made up my mind to do it, I did it because I said, you are a disciplined person, but there are some aspects of your life that you have not been applying discipline to, and it's getting in the way of you doing what you want to do. You need to do this. And um, I set up a bit of a plan for myself and I said, we're going to get this done. And not only are we, I'm talking to me, my, all my personalities, not only are we <laughs> going to get this done, um, but we're going to do it and we're not going to make ourselves unhealthy doing it. So mm -hmm. make space for yourself to be able to go ahead and do this. So um, I made sure that I kind of had a control over how many clients I was doing with my uh, grant writing consulting business. Uh, I was like, we're going to keep this flat for a little while. We're doing pretty good. I don't need to pursue new clients right now because I've got to make sure I have time to do this other thing I want to do. Um, and that's big for me because I'm a stacker. I'm like, a, oh, we can just add this on. We'll figure it out. I can just lose an hour of sleep here or whatever it is. Um, and I'm like, mm -mm, we're not doing that anymore. And the thing that has become one of the biggest revelations of this now that I'm on day 16 and I still got to put a video up today. Oh, you know, I was going to go for that, but I was going to give you some grace and wait before I asked. Well, I, I, I had to you know, take care of these things, but trust me, I, I have I have the prep work done. We will meet the deadline. Um, but the biggest revelation for me is that if you can discipline yourself to make a video and edit it and publish it every single day, these other things that you have as goals in your life that you've been leaving on hold, you can do that too. So I will have another challenge in May for myself. And it's scaring the hell out of me. And I'm not going to tell you what it is yet because I like giving you a cliffhanger. I love these cliffhangers. Teaser plugs. I'm but this, this, okay. this is going to be, whoo! Okay, when you're talking about putting those insecurities forward, this is going to be me putting one of my biggest insecurities out in the light. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I'm, I'm wrestling with it still, but I made up my mind. I'm going to do it going to do it. Oh, well, yeah. stay tuned, uh, viewers and listeners, because Marta has got something for us in May. Okay. But it's funny, because I, I I wouldn't have, uh, and actually, by the time this comes out, this will be historic, probably, because I'm also taking time to make sure I do a proper pre-production and post on everything that I do now. I'm not just catching and releasing anymore. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing, Marta. I can't, well, now, you know, I'm going to be, well, I'm not even going to hit you up and be like, well, what, what is it? Because I'm like a little kid. I'm like, well, what is she going to do with me? But I'll, I'll wait. It's only two more weeks. That's fine. Either way, is it coming May 1st or is it just coming in May? I don't know. If you're nice to me, I might tell you when we get off of here. <laughs> okay, I want to know what it is. I want to know. I wanna but everybody know. else has got to wait. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Move All right. Forward. So your turn. You get to answer that what what contributes to the success um i would say what contributes to the success is um i'm coming from from a different um approach is what isa talks about with the tribe when she says find your tribe i was very fortunate to find my tribe when i decided to create skills 
four, almost four years ago, 2017, it'll be four years in September when I started having the first auditions, being able to, you know, meet Shirley, to meet Zane and to meet Jacob, to form that bond. And we were all strangers who mm -hmm. also believed in what I, what I was trying to do. And fast forward four years later, there's such a bond there. You would think we've known each other for years. And the funny thing too, Marta, which I, I feel I'm older than them mm -hmm. and I'm not like just too, I'm older than them, but I feel it's like I, they, they've made me almost age backwards because I feel like we're all the same. Like they keep me younger, they keep me fun, they keep me motivated. So finding that tribe has contributed to the success because I have Shirley who um, is the director, she's directed all, you know, six, wait, three times, wait, six episodes, 18 episodes. She's directed all 18 episodes. Then there's Zane, who's my editor producer, who keeps the story honest when he's editing it. And then there's Jacob, who's our DP. I tell them what I, I'm going for. And we're all, we're nine times out of 10, we're always aligned. And if you don't, and then when it's just Shirley, Zane and I, the three of us, we call it the power of three, like charmed, <laughs> yes. like charmed. We instantly just, it just works. When we're editing season one, season two, season three, it's sometimes we don't even have to say it. We're just all kinetically in line with each other for what we're trying to do. You're synced And up. We're, we're synced and we don't have to say anything. And you just don't, you don't find that everywhere. So I just, I'm so I, I get emotional just thinking about the two of them just because of how they, in a way, saved me during the craziness of creating seasons one, season two, season three, St. Patrick, you got it. It's fine. It's good. And to be there with me. And, and it's great. So that's right. And the growth of scales from season one to season three, I, friend, I, I'm glad I didn't have any glass in my hand because I might have thrown it against my wall when I saw it. <laughs> I was like, what? What are you talking? It was awesome. It was awesome. It was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right. This is my my favorite question. Um, and, and for uh, some reason, it freaks people out. But I feel that if you've been this transparent with me during this conversation, I should be just as transparent with you. So this is what I call spill the tea. Oh, let me have, let me sip this wine. Spill it. This is no, this is the word. You're gonna have to get it out of me. What part of my business do you want to put in the streets? Something you think people need to know about me? Um, you're not going to believe it, but it's two things that I would want to put out of the street about you. One, you, um, you know, you're, you, you, you can, I, I was surprised you can drink, not like you're, you're drunk, but you, <laughs> You can drink like you know your wine, like you're like a wine connoisseur or cocktail. Like you, you, you know your beverages, and that surprised me. And the second surprise, which it actually happened in this video, so people will have to go back and watch this segment. I was surprised that you cursed. I don't, I don't know for whatever reason. <laughs> All this time, like those things surprise me because I don't envision that I, you know, I see you, of course, always I've seen you as super smart, but then your, your creative mind and the way that you think. And like, I remember when you came to Atlanta and we had, 
dinner. No, it was a lunch or dinner at that restaurant uh, that's no longer open anymore. <gasps> but, but yeah, it didn't make it past the pandemic. But I was like, oh, Marta, there's a whole, it's like pulling an onion. It's so much layers to her. I was like, people don't even, they, listen, people that's watching this, you all have no idea. <laughs> like, y'all don't have, like Marta is on a whole nother level. Like, so that's me spilling the tea. Like, I didn't know that you can you can throw them out every now and then, meaning the curse words. Not a whole lot, but no. you'll you'll it, it'll drop when it needs to drop. And then with your, you know, whether it's a Shiraz or Merlot or Pinot or something, Marta, <gasps> she'll throw it back. She knows what mm. she's and those, that's me spilling the tea on you. That's what I would say. And, and here I am on water today and not wine. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I wasn't expecting you to do that one. Um, what I will uh, add to you in this, because this, I didn't know that I had this, um, but I was doing some research for this conversation. And 11 years ago, Ooh. I put something on Facebook. Uh, it was a very tough time in my life. And I was kind of like, blah, 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 just kind of, and I was looking at my weight journey. And I don't know if you remember this, but you were the first person to say something on there. And I, and I, I had not looked at, I don't know that I even saw it um, or I saw it and I forgot it, but you gave such words of encouragement to me. And this was 11 years ago. This is before you and I really started talking on a regular basis again. Um, I went back and looked and I said, man, this is somebody who has been rocking and encouraging me for a long, long time. And I was like, look at this, look at this. Thank you, God, for making sure that you <laughs> show me, you know, who are the people who are really for me so that I can make sure that I stay right with my tribe because you're part of my tribe. <laughs> wow. Oh, well, thank you. I graciously love being a part of this tribe. Yes, yes, and yes, times three, for sure. But yeah, I saw oh Patrick, I was like, <laughs> Oh my God. I wish my memory was that good. Oh, I'll screenshot it for you because I know where it is now. It's in one of my albums. I was looking at something else and talking to somebody and, I, and she was like, you blah, blah, blah. Why would you put all your weights at these different picture points or whatever? It's like, I don't remember doing that. And I opened it up and I was like, oh, <laughs> I was oh my God. Mm. <laughs> but no, it was fun. Um, so thank you. And uh, uh, finally, we're going to close out with, as I always do, I want to know where can my watchers, viewers, listeners see your stuff online? I will tell people that you can catch Scales Seasons 1, 2, and 3 on YouTube. You can go to Scales, uh, Scales the Web Series. Type of Scales the Web Series. You can find us there. Um, you can also check us out on ReverieTV.com, but it's only two seasons on Reverie. Season three hasn't made it there. It won't come out until I think May or June. But if you want to watch it now, because and I want you to watch it now, you want to watch I it would now. say go to YouTube and type Scales the Web Series and check it out. Watch it several times. Like, share, subscribe. Yes. Tell your friends and your family. We accept that. People you don't like, they need to watch, share, and subscribe too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. You got these numbers. We're trying to get these YouTube numbers up. 
For sure. Oh, thank you so much, Patrick. This has been fun. I knew it would be. This has. God, I wish I so COVID. I wish you were like here. We could go grab some drinks and uh, oh, well. let's talk after we go ahead and turn this record off because I got I got to <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thanks so much, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it off. All right. Bye everybody. All right, y'all, we made it. The end of season two of Showing Our Sass, the podcast is here. I got to tell you, I'm going to miss this for a little bit because we're going to be back with you all with new episodes for season three in the fall of 2022. If you have liked what you've seen here, please make sure to go back, watch, share, like, subscribe, do all the things. Y'all know what to do. And we're looking forward to bringing you even more interesting conversations next season. Take care, y'all. Thank you.